0: You know, today's message, it's titled, uh, True Worship, uh, Spirit and Truth. And, um, you know, hopefully within these next 25 minutes or so, you'll be able, you know, obviously giving you a summary, right, every week, every Sunday, it's usually a summary around a sermon, uh, a verse, or around a story from the Bible. And so, you know, hopefully it, it'll, you'll be, there'll be revelation and ideas that uh, will challenge you, um, As it has for me, it's challenged, you know, my personal study on the topic of true worship and what it looks like and what it means to us to follow as a follower of Jesus in true worship. And I know there's, you know, there's no way that myself, we could cover everything there, you know, in this one setting today around this topic about worship and spirit and truth. And so, you know, I just pray that your hearts are open. Um, hopefully, I, you know, it's, a, it's a, I guess it's a quite a dear topic to me because, you know, just personal. When I was prepping the sermon, I just thought about a lot of people uh, in church here um, and their love for God. And so let me give you the key scripture I'll be talking about. And it's from John 4. Uh, it's verses 23 and 24. And this is what it reads. Uh, the hour is coming... And is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. And so God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. I wanted to start by saying this. You may or you may not be surprised But did you know that many Christians, they always associate that word worship with music? Um, You know, I remember, you know, in my younger years, that's what I thought that word worship was. Um, You know, uh, especially when I remember one time there was this person that came up to me. I was sitting in my car out here in South Auckland, actually. And this guy came up to me and he said, hey, um, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, yeah, man. You know, I was a, I was a Christian by then, I think. And I said, yeah, yeah, man I, man, I love Jesus. And then he said to me, hey, well, do you know what the gospel is? And I said, yeah, it's um, songs. It's worship songs. That's what the gospel is, <laughs> you know, gospel music. And then um, I got schooled that day uh, from this young guy. He was younger than me when, when he And I felt like punching him in the throat for schooling me because I felt like I'm, I'm sure I've been a Christian longer than you, and yet here you are telling me what the gospel is. And all this time I say, yeah, it's worship music. That's what it is. Now, you know, let me say that singing worship songs, like we did today, it's a part of worshiping God, but what I learned back then, that it is not the foundation. It's not the essence of Christian worship of our God. Now, some of you, you may be all sitting and thinking, yeah, of course, you know, but some of you, I don't know, <laughs> some of you are going to just pretend that you knew the answer or know the answer until today. Funny thing is, you know, one thing that helped, you know, guide me in my relationship with God all these years was worship music. And there was something in the music that helped me, you know, experience God's presence, uh, most importantly, uh, worship music was actually, it played a large part, it's, it, and it still has. It's played a large part in my journey with Jesus all these years to where I am today in my relationship with Him. Now, in saying that, let me be clear now. From my past experience, when I was approached by this young guy sharing the gospel of Jesus, that's when I learned that day that worship music is not the gospel. Let me read you this quote. It's from a well-known pastor, John MacArthur. This is what he says. Worship is not music. Worship is loving God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is knowing God for who he is, adoring him, obeying him, proclaiming him as a way of life. Music is just one way we express that adoration. So, When we as followers of Jesus are called to worship in spirit, it is something that comes from, you know, it's a grateful heart that has experienced things like like heartache, uh, pain from the past, but, you know, as you strengthen your relationship in Jesus, you have this fresh understanding of God's grace that none of us deserve, you know. I remember growing up you know my my time at university um, and even in my youth years when I was young, you know on the outside, I was this happy young guy on the outside, but I struggled a lot in my personal life. you know I would at that time I remember I would fake my life as a Christian, pretending that everything was good, pretending that everything was good as a Christian at youth and at church um, but although I you know, I, I never missed a Sunday. Every Sunday I'd be at church, mainly because my mum would make sure I was at church. But then I naturally just grew up. That was just part of my life. You know, go to church every Sunday. Uh, there would be Friday morning prayer meetings at like 5 a.m. in the, morning, in the mornings, and I would go with my mum. There would be Saturday choir practices around 5 p.m. every Saturday. So I'd be, you know, hanging out with mates, and then I'd see the time, man, I've got to go. Where are you going? Oh, I've got choir practice. You know, I've got to get there. There'd be Thursday night youth group. And so doing all of that, and I never missed every week, yet my heart was just far away from God. You know, my life is, as soon as I left those church doors, every time I went, every week, you know, so many times, outside, when I'd walk out those doors, it was just completely opposite to what I pretended to portray my life at church. And my life led me down this downward spiral of sin and shame. And the thing was, as you grow older, it started to affect me. And the problem was, it was hard to get out of all that sin. And, you know, along came this angry young guy. I was angry all the time. I didn't show it a lot. On the outside, I always pretended to be happy, but I was an angry young guy. So every time I could, I would resort uh, to violence, you know, as an outlet of my anger. I would lie, I would cheat, I would steal, I would rob. For the fun of it, I didn't care if it hurt others. Just so I could pursue and satisfy my worldly appetites. Yet all of this was happening. I was attending youth events. I was going to church gatherings. I'd feel love for God, but in the back of my mind, I I knew as soon as I would leave that place, I'd go right back to my sinful habits. It It was a double life, and I felt like I was in chains, and that God was just so far away. But on the outside, everything looked good. And my sin, see, as a young guy, when you're like 14 and 15, you're just a young person, right? But then as those years start to carry on in your life that many of you know, the spiral slowly of sin just gets harder to get out of. Then someone shared with me about the real power of Jesus and and what he did on the cross. You know, I finally understood that because of his work on the cross, he took all of my, my sin, my filthy sin, and I was now able to be forgiven by this holy God that I had thought that I knew all the time. Just like I thought I knew what the gospel was. It's worship music. That's what it is. I thought I knew God, but no way did I really know him. Now, it was a relationship that the Lord wanted from me, not just someone who acted like a good person when he was, you know, inside this church building. And back then, if you were like me, I didn't think I was worthy to be forgiven because of just all the mess that I was getting myself into at that time of my life. But something in me was able to to step, literally just step out in faith and trust in what God was saying to me on that day that I, you know, Gave my life, committed my life to him. A grace from God that we were hearing this morning, amazing grace. A grace from God I didn't deserve. And it was time to live right now, in, right, in that time in obedience to the ways of Christ. Uh, man, like I said, I was already in this deep pit. It was already hard to get out of. Yet... I knew I had to stop faking a a Christian life, this Christian living that I was doing, and and start living properly for Jesus and crown him as the true king of my life. And slowly, it was slowly, that, that pit that I was in, slowly, over time, There there were people that started speaking into my life, and it was such a fight for me to allow myself to step out into these new friendships. I mean, most of these Christians were geeks. They were nerds, and I was totally opposite to what they were. But God said, those are the ones that are going to help you. And I thought, oh, man, really? (laughs) And these people... They took the time to invest into my life. They guided me with just, just helped me with with decisions by just watching them. And so, you know, that I could eventually make Christ-like decisions on my own when I needed to. And so Jesus intervened. I understood the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross and for my sins, even though I didn't deserve it. I had to make a choice and it wasn't easy. I had to, you know, I had to really count the cost and be willing to sacrifice a lot of things that I enjoyed. The things that I enjoyed doing that wasn't godly at all. And so I did. I got radically saved during my campus years at uni. I said enough was enough. And, you know, almost 25 years later, I stand here before you, man, just as a warrior for God that has to trust in him every day. Every day in fighting the good fight for Jesus, just like you. I say this, I share that because it's in these past memories that motivate my love and and, and gratitude for all God has done for my life and continues to do so. And I know many of you in here would feel the same way with your very own lives, as some of you can reflect back to where you used to be. To worship in spirit will at times be a place, you know, where worship brings you into this physical posture because your heart is just so filled with gratefulness with faith and with love in him who brought you out of the chains of sin. It's the Holy Spirit who awakens in us an understanding of God's awesomeness and power. It's the Holy Spirit who stirs us to worship and to give thanks. It's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to see all that Jesus is for us. And then we are called to worship in truth. You know, I grew up in a Samoan traditional church. Um, I I love my life, you know, growing up in in my family church back then. And, you know, the the good and the bad, you have it all, right? And the the thing is, the style of worship music in our church there were hymns, So there were four-part harmonies, you had the soprano, alto, tenor, I was going to say saxophone, uh, tenor and bass. (laughs) Um, So, you know, four-part harmonies. Our our songs were sung in Samoan, and very rarely um, did we have someone sing solos. We would, you know, all sing together. Singing solos, I think, was pretty much a no-no, way. Um, And, you know, we all sang together as a choir, now, the thing is, we had no band, so it was nothing like this. What we had was a piano. It was an old-school piano, probably a second-hand one. was, you know, and this was the thing. This So church would look like how you are, and the piano would actually be facing this way, and the choir, uh, everyone there, like you are, is sitting there. Now, on the far side was an organ, and at the time... Um, You know, I'd be the piano player, and on the far side was my girlfriend at the time who was the organist, who is now my wife. Yeah, yeah! (laughs) You're going to think, where am I going with this? And so, remember, four-part harmonies, uh, no raising of hands, no clapping, no band, no drums. It was a sin if you were a drummer, electric guitarist, you... You did not belong in heaven, all those kind of things, right? And, and so we'd have this. So the organ was over there. And I remember the organ would be facing this way. And, you know, I'd be just trying to, you know, do my, do my styles on the piano. Um, all about Jesus, though, and looking at him and going, yeah, what's up? That's another story. But this is the kind of music we would play. Now, with this style of worship singing and this style of music, with just an organ and just with a piano, right, like I said, there was no such thing as clapping. There was no such thing as raising of hands at all. It wasn't because you weren't allowed to do those things, clapping of hands and raising of hands. The reason being that you didn't do it was because people would just think you were weird, and I'm sure if I can I imagine me raising my hands, man, I'd just get a shoe thrown right like this. It was just weird. And then you come to a church like every nation, and churches that are similar to ours. Totally different style and worship, music, all types of sounds of instruments. You know, we've, in the past, and we've had trumpets, we've had saxophones, we've had violins, we've had percussions, we've had, you know, we have all these other instruments behind me. There's clapping during the fast songs, raising of hands during the slow songs, you know, so so many ways I've, se- there's so many ways that I've seen people over the years in every nation um, express their way of worshipping God. Um, ways through dance, I mean, I've, you know, I've seen that, I've seen the crump styles happening back in the day, <laughs> you know, while doing worship and that, man, <laughs> I have not yet seen someone ribbon dance yet. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. (laughs) But, you know, there was one service. I've got to say this, man. um, And I was playing at at an event. And while I was playing the keys, the the pastor, he said, okay, let's all get up. Get out of, you know, your your chairs. Come right around. Stand around all the, the aisle on the outside. And he goes, okay. For the next three minutes, we are going to run around the church, run around the chairs. And I was sitting on this piano. I was going, I need to get out of here, man. And we're going to worship the Lord. And and you mark say, okay. Everyone's running around. I was going, oh, my gosh. Seen it all. I've seen the 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 whole, um, the laughter kind of spirit where one person just started laughing. And I was I remember playing. It was just me on the keys. And I was playing. And, you know, we're, we're um, on this side, one person would start laughing, and then all the way through, just everyone started laughing. I was just, what is happening? You know, all these different styles of worship, and just people, just in awe with God. There's clapping during the fast songs, like I said. And I remember all these different times. You know, I've been in these services where just a whole church has been. Caught in laughter and so forth. And, and then I remember hearing a sermon preached on worship a time a while ago uh, when I visited a church. And this is this is the particular verse that, that the pastor had said during that time. He goes, Praise the Lord, praise it's from Psalm 150, praise him with the trumpet sound, praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the uh, tambourine and the dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. You know, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And everyone's going, yeah! And as a young guy, this young Christian, and I would sit there in my seat, um, sometimes at Every Nation events as well, and other church events, similar, you know, with all the style of music that we have here. And I would actually be forcing myself to worship that way. Because, you know, those verses are telling me how to worship. But honestly, I struggled with it. You know, because all of a sudden, my upbringing, my Samoan traditional way and style of worship of no clapping and no raising of hands... That had now become the weird thing. It was now weird because it looked like I wasn't in true worship. For a very long time in my early years, just as, you know, a real true Christian, you know, trying to walk out lordship and a relationship in Jesus, I struggled to fit in when it came to worship in music. I felt like, you know, it wasn't good, I, I wasn't good enough or I you know, or a worthy enough Christian because I didn't look like everyone else around me who were worshiping God. So, you know, hands raised, whatever, and during the singing part of of the church services. Then I found this scripture to try and make myself feel better and that I was a normal worshiper of Jesus found in Colossians chapter three, verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so there was, okay, so I don't need to raise my hands then. I don't need to run around. You know, I, I, I can just be in his presence. That's cool. In my heart. That's the way to do it. But even this verse, this verse didn't make me feel any better. And I share this personal example to say this. Isn't it funny how we Christians have put pressure on ourselves and maybe on others? Because there is or there should be a particular way or a a particular look to our worship. We have created a system of beliefs and our Christianity of what worship should look like on the outside, in front of everyone, and the danger of looking good on the outside with worshiping God by looking good is that your worship then becomes a performance. And coming back to my story of how I would force myself to worship to try and look like everyone else around me, you see. As I was busy wrestling with whether I should raise my hands or or not during every worship time, you know, I would have this inner argument with myself, and you know whether I should listen to the worship leader. You know how I think it was fee this morning. How about you just raise your hands? Back then, when someone would say, "How about you raise your hands?", I get nah. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. Nah. <laughs> you know, it's like the you know the conscience thing, either eh? angel and the devil. Come on, do it. Raise your hands. Obey. Nah, you don't need to listen to her. It doesn't you know? You can just. And I'd just wrestle with that. And every worship, you know, every Sunday I'd be just going, ah, nah, oh, yeah, you know, different sort of postures of worship. I would never be up here, I'll tell you that. (laughs) And while I was doing that, you know, I'm busy arguing with myself. I'm missing everything God is wanting me to be part of. And what is that? It's this verse that I want to read here. John four twenty three twenty four. 24. True worshippers will worship the Father. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. All that time, my worship in truth had now become a performance. I was worshiping on the outside just for everyone to see my worship. Let me give you a brief, uh, brief background to this verse. You know, Jesus is actually talking these, you know, actually saying these words to a Samaritan woman. Now, if you didn't already know, Samaritan was a person who's, you know, from Samaria, and, and, and the Israelites, they just hated Samaritans. Yet, here is Jesus talking to a Samaritan, and not only that, it's a woman. And so, which is just a thing you did not do back then. But, you know, before Jesus had said these words, you know, behind me here uh, to the Samaritan woman, look at what the Samaritan woman says to Jesus before these words. And it's this, verse 19. The woman, the woman said to Jesus, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place there where we should worship is in Jerusalem, on your mountain. You know, for the Samaritan woman to say this, that indicates that she's wanting some answers. This woman is trying to find true worship, which is worship and truth. So she says, you know, okay, we Samaritans, we, we worship on this mountain. You guys say that we should go and worship on your mountain, which is Jeru- uh, Jerusalem. So which one is it? And she's interested in understanding more about this one true God, Yahweh. She knew she needed to seek God to acknowledge him. Thing is, she didn't know where to go to actively do this worship. So her style of worship at this time was, in fact, all a performance. All she knew was what worship looked like on the outside. Our ancestors, we worship on this mountain. You say go worship on that mountain. Which one is it? And yet, while she's saying all those things, she is missing everything God wanted her to be part of. And what was that? Well, it's exactly what Jesus said to her that true worshipers will worship the Father. For the Father is seeking such people, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So, where does she go? She wants to make it, you know, her life right. She wants to get out of that pit that she's been spiraling down in. Does she go to the Samaritan's temple, you know, on the mountain where all her fellow Samaritans? Um, offer sacrifices or, you know, should she go to Jerusalem like Jesus said and offer her sacrifice there? How does she find peace? How does she receive forgiveness? And so she is beginning to realize that in her conversation with Jesus is this, that it is more than just worshiping on the outside to show performance. It was more than just trying for me, to figure out whether I should raise my hands, you know, or not during my time of singing uh, praise songs and worship songs to God during a uh, church service. Sort of, you know, Alofa alluded to it this morning with her tithe message. It's more than just worshiping on the outside, you know, having all these flash material material things, yet you and I, or you know, you struggle to worship God in your finances. The good old tithe and offerings, Right? will definitely show you where your heart is and what you worship more, God or your personal preferences. Worship in truth with our money is when times, it's this, worship in truth with your money is when times are hard financially and the struggles are real on the outside, right? But on the inside, worship in truth is worshipping him, and it brings peace and faith needed that God has it all under control. That's hard, eh? And even when those struggles, you know, are are still there, worshipping in truth reminds you that he's still God, no matter what. And I've seen many people in this church worship and truth over the years through the way that you have lived out your life. I think of I think of a lot of the, the Pinois in here. The journey of the Filipinos that I've met over the years. I think the very first one of the very first families that came was the Go family. Um, and the very first person that walked in out of the Go family was Andrew. And I remember he walked in, I think it was out at uh, What's that? Dog Greyhound place? That's the one, the Super Bowl. And I think you're welcomed in by by Otto and the team. And my Ma- yes, right. And I remember he had come in on his own and he, you know, his family was was still in the Philippines. And he stepped, you know, in and, and uh, it was quite a while, a bit of patience waiting trusting God, and I remember some Sunday services, I would remember some of the men praying for him after, at the end of the service, and I knew they're praying and trusting God in and, and this move for his family. I remember April, I think, April, I don't know if it was April, I don't know if she's here, I remember she had moved from Singapore many years ago, and she had first come from uh, Singapore, got here, um, our brother Nellie, who was living in Singapore at the time? and said, "Hey, we got one of our church members uh, just landed in New Zealand. Can you just help guide her?" And I remember we, me and Wayne would go and pick her up. She was living in the city at the time. I mean, she's, they still live in the, she still lives in the city, but she was like probably just two days into moving to New Zealand, and so she had no concept of Auckland. And so we picked her up, and we would bring her out, and and just remember always praying for and trusting what God was doing in her life. I remember Manu, Manu and Mai. I remember when Manu came, and I met and I, I met you at some event, but Manu was you know part of every nation, and he had come on his own. I think you were newly married at the time, quite quite new in the marriage, and and Mai was still in the Philippines, and he had come to try and set base here. And he, you know, he was, he had, he was trusting God because he had nowhere to live. And this is the first tallest Filipino I've ever met in my entire life. And I said, bro, come and live with us. Come and stay with us for a little while. I had this small room. That's all we had. And there was no bed in there, eh? It was a mattress, eh, Manu? And the man said, hey, anywhere. I trust God and what he's doing. And I remember that, and I'd look at people like this and think, man, the Mayo family, Edward, I met him at a, at a conference in the Philippines when we were new, new to you know, full-time ministry. And Edward, they sent Edward to me and Rowena to sit with us because they all said, none of us can hold English down long enough to speak with this guy. You go sit with him. Because you can talk, you you'd be able to hold a conversation with them, And that's how we met. And it was in our conversation, we were saying, hey man, you should come to New Zealand. And then somehow God just spoke that into happening. And here they are. But see, the journey of that to where they are today was watching him, spirits and truth, worshipping God and truth. I mean, I think John and Nikki, where are you guys? John and Nikki, they're quite new to New Zealand, right? And I think newly married, landed in New Zealand, and then you got to experience the very first COVID incident of New Zealand. Yet trusting God in this journey. Well, why do I share these things? This is why, I mean, there are a few others that I've that I haven't mentioned in here, but I want to say this, what you have done is exactly what many of our Pacific Island parents and grandparents have done over 40 to 50 years ago. Yet you're living it in front of us today. And we are grateful for our parents and our grandparents for doing that, right? Because we knew that when they moved, they uprooted everything that they had and moved here, trusting God. And here we are today. I see lives all around, and I commend that. I'm so encouraged by that. I've seen some of you young ones, I've seen you lose close family members you know, that have passed on from here. And I've seen you struggle, and I've seen you go down that spiral, but then I've seen you get back up again, because somehow I've seen you trust in God to worship him, not just in spirit saying, where are you, Lord, but in truth to say, okay, I'm going to get out of this. I trust in your word, I trust in everything that you say, Lord, and I'm going to walk my life out in this journey. And for me, that is a true warrior, understanding how to worship first in spirit and then to worship in truth. And so as I conclude, let me read you this quote. It refers to the Samaritan woman during the time she's talking about Jesus, right? Uh, Sorry, talking to Jesus about, remember, which mountain to worship on? And so she's eager. She's eager to learn more on how to worship the one true God in truth. I think a lot of us know how to worship in the spirit. You know, we feel his presence. and you know. But then there's times I don't feel him, so I don't want to walk anymore. That's when you need to walk in truth. That's when you need to pull the Bible out and say, okay, I remember this verse. I remember you pulled me out from this verse, Lord. I'm going to keep walking through it. Even though... I don't sense your presence, you're still God. This is the quote, and it says this, Unbelievers, and even believers of Jesus, such as the Samaritan woman at this point, often mistakenly think that if they go through the proper external appearances of worship, then things are okay between them and God. As long as they go to church and and attend a church building and go through the usual rituals, they figure that everything is fine just like this woman had thought. But they haven't dealt with God on the heart level. They haven't repented of their sins of thought, of word and deed. So Jesus tells her that it's not the externals that matter It's the internal. Man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We must take it, make it our priority to become true worshippers of God in spirit and in truth. So where are you today in your life of worshipping God in truth and in spirit? I think a lot of us understand the spirit side, right? We, we feel great during the worship and then we leave here and then we have to live life. <laughs> That's where you have to live out the truth and worshiping in truth. Are you a performance-based worshipper like I used to be? Not just in, the, you know, just my life. I performed how I lived as a Christian, yet it wasn't true. Does your worship look good on the outside for everyone to see But on the inside, your life struggles to worship in truth. I'd love to pray for you today, for God to give you the grace like never before. And just give you a fresh view of what worship in spirit and in truth is for you and your journey today with Jesus. Let's pray.